The Bloody Podcastacre with Zach Walters and Kennedy Catherine. Hello. We're here on a weird day. We're here on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. A Tuesday. I hate when people say Tuesday. Me too. I feel like we had this conversation maybe in our first episode too. Probably. Um, I'm Kennedy Catherine. And I'm Zach. And this is the Bloody Podcast Occur, where we review horror films. Wow. I was going to also add that I'm your resident final girl because after watching this movie, I feel like I could be a final girl. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> what am I thinking? You're thinking, mm, Zach, I know you. You're going to die probably third. Yeah. I don't think I'd die first. I think I would have a lot of adrenaline, but I think I'd get tired. I, I would just get bored. Yeah. I don't think... I think there's a couple of factors at play. First of all, I think you're good under pressure. Thank you. Your general size, because you are a tall human mm-hmm. being, would be imposing and scary. Um, I would like to think that I would last. I might be the first to go. I don't see you as a first. Thank you. I see you as more like a th- final three kind of girl. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely don't see myself making it way or past the halfway point. Me neither. But I did a couple of quizzes today <gasps> and each time it told me I was the final girl. Amazing. So that's, that's where I'm seeing, but I'm going to get you to do them later because I want to know what yours is. Okay. I'm excited. What your horror trope is because this movie... That we're talking about, I feel, has a lot of tropes in it. Elements, oh, styles, not characters necessarily. I'm excited. I am too. Um, I wanted to tell you a story because we were supposed to record on Sunday and then we rescheduled. Before we were scheduled, I was coming back from a trip. I'd had a dog with me. My car was covered in dead bugs. It was just like dirty. So I stopped yeah. to clean up my car and get a car wash. Get in line at the car wash. It's an automatic car wash. So it's a place where you drive in and the doors Mm -hmm. close. Yeah. I'm the second in line. Mm -hmm. So there's a person in the car wash and then I'm next in line and Mm -hmm. I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. Not really thinking about how much time has passed because like I've been in the line of this car wash for a while. Mm -hmm. Then I look up and the person is walking around inside of the car wash and it's like the frosted glass right so you can't really see them a hundred percent Ugh. and i'm thinking to myself what and do you see I, the water going no, no? Okay. and that's when i realized that a lot of time had passed so i look around and i see this person get in and out of their vehicle a couple times and then i notice i can kind of see the um sort of like the monitor within that shows like what yeah. stage your car wash mm-hmm. is at i can see that it's fully completed and that nothing is happening. And you can oh, see okay. through the one door that the next door is not open. So probably five more minutes pass and a guy comes out of the door where the technician would be. And he comes to my car and he's like, hey, the exit door cord snapped. And we have no way to get this person out until everybody in line backs out. And we'll have to back them out of the entrance. Oh my god. So by this point, it like quite a bit of time has passed. Mm-hmm. Since I've gotten there, since this whole thing has happened, there's probably a solid 12 cars in line. And so we all had to back out. It was a maneuver. And I could not help but think 
This is how Final Destination starts. Yep. Or, like, have you ever seen The Crazies, the reboot? I haven't. There's a scene where they're driving through a car wash, and there's a zombie or, like, whatever it is crazy that is in the roof of the, like, car wash, and it comes down onto the car. No. And breaks the back window. No. So, it's either or. It is a death situation. Yeah, it's a death trap. I think about that a lot at the car wash. Some it's so nef- scary. Yes. Some very nefarious activity could happen in there on multiple levels. Because at one point, your car is completely covered in suds. You can see nothing coming nothing. at you. Nothing. And in- it's like kind of gray and you're yes. like, it's cold. You're just in a cl- enclosed building. Yeah. Terrifying. But no, we all just backed out and left. Nice. Did you all get a refund for your... Funny story. So the people who were in line, mm-hmm. the codes that they had would all still be usable because they don't expire. Oh, in you typed time. yours in. But I typed mine in. So when the technician came to speak to me, he said to me, uh, you can just go inside and just get them to print you a new number. But most of the time I just blow stuff like that off. But I actually needed windshield wiper fluid. So I went in, got windshield wiper fluid and then asked for the code. But because I had gone to go get the fluid, it took me a second. And when I came up, there was a guy saying to them, I put my code in already, so um, oh, I need my to God. Get, I should get a free car wash. And then I realized, like, I need to go up and kind of say the same thing right now, so I just need to step in. So I just, I was not in the mood. So I just, like, kind of stepped up behind him and was like, okay, actually, as the person who put their code in, I'm going to be the one that needs the new code. And then the technician walked in and he just heard that part. He's like, yeah, just get her a new code. Thank and when God. I when I turned around, the guy, like, just walked out. Swindling. Swindling little liars and cheats. And I mean, you know what? Good for him for trying. For trying. But also get wrecked. It's a $13 car wash. I know. Come on. Like. If you think that you should get a free car wash for your inconvenience, because we all had to back out, that's one thing. Come mm -hmm. in and fight the system, I guess. Don't try to take my car wash away from me. No. Rude. Riveting content. Riveting content from two people who really don't care about vehicles talk about vehicles. That's our new podcast. <laughs> Podcarsaker. <laughs> Should we oh. just get into this uh, synopsis? Yes. Okay. What's the movie we're doing? Oh, geez, Louise. It's called You're Next. Thank you. Just thought I'd get that in there. Also, 2011. 2011, but released in 2013, but yes. still, like, aging well. In terms of just kind of mm-hmm. general cinematography, even like fashion, I didn't really have a good sense of when this movie was supposed to take place. No. Realizing it was made in 2011, 10 years ago, I was 15. Nope. That's not my age anymore. <laughs> I was 16 when this yes. movie was made. Yes, but it did. came out when I was 18. So, And if you do the math, I am 26. <laughs> Thank you for doing that for us. You're so welcome. So this movie has a lot of characters in it and a lot happens. And a lot of names that you just don't pick up on very easily. Right. So this is one of those times where I took it upon myself to just write my own synopsis that is just going to simplify it, simplify it for everyone. So I'm not going to name everyone, but you will get the gist of it. So we open up on two people in bed and there's a very satisfied looking man and a very unsatisfied looking woman. Typical. He ventures into the shower, she ventures out into the living room, and eventually he stumbles upon a gruesome scene where she has been murdered. Your next has been written in her blood on the window, and then he is also killed. Cut to mom and dad of the wealthy Davison family who are driving up to their rural vacation home to celebrate their 30th anniversary. Visiting to celebrate with them will be their four kids, three sons, and one daughter, along with their respective partners. 
We're first introduced to Crispin and his girlfriend, Erin, who will be meeting the family for the first time. These are our sort of focal points. Over the course of that first day, we can sense a sort of competitive tension between Crispin and his older brother, Drake. These are the most classic bougie white people names. Crispin was really driving me nuts. Yeah, I hated the name Crispin with all of my heart. And did you have subtitles on? Yes. And it was spelled Crispin. Did you notice that? Mine was spelled C-R-I-S-P-I-N. Crispin. Mine was C-R-I-S-P-A-I-N. Interesting. Were yeah. you watching it on Prime? Yeah. Weird. Maybe I didn't notice it because I just watched the credits like 10 minutes ago. And in the credits, they had a spell right. So. Mm. so all of the tension comes to a head at dinner when the two brothers begin to argue over a petty comment. But the heated moment is interrupted when a crossbow bolt comes through the window, striking the Davison daughter's boyfriend, killing him immediately. The family struggles to get out of the room as bolts come through the window, but they all make it into the foyer safely, aside from Drake, who's hit in the back with a bolt, alive but hurting. Can I just pause you for a second? Sure. Can you define a bolt? A bolt is what uh, goes in a crossbow. It's not an arrow? No. I was like, who's bolt? (laughs) And why is there so many? (laughs) Who is bolt? And why is he coming through the window? Bolt is a hard word to say. I've been struggling. Bolt. Bolt. Yeah. It's crossbow bolt that is difficult to say. Uh, Sounds like you're trying to say boat. Yeah. So the group discover that none of their phones are working anymore, and they decide they need to send someone out to get one of the cars. The daughter decides that she can make a run for it, but when her brother and her father open the door at the last moment, intending to immediately close it behind her, she's killed by a wire strung in front of the door that slashes her neck. From there, the house descends into chaos. Next, the mother is killed. One of the brother's wives takes a run for the neighbors, but is killed along the way. Crispin decides to leave the house for help, leaving behind his girlfriend Aaron, his father, and his brother Felix, along with Felix's girlfriend Z and the injured Drake. Felix and the dad work their way upstairs where a masked murderer slits the throat of the father. It is in that moment that we realize this entire attack was orchestrated by Felix and Z. Keeping up the facade a little longer, Z helps Aaron set some traps around the windows and listens as Aaron confides in her that she was actually raised on a survivalist commune until the age of 15 when she moved to America. At the same time, Felix kills his oldest brother Drake in the basement, leaving Aaron alone with the two, plus their hired killers. The rest of the movie becomes a battle of wits and skill. Through many alarmingly impressive stunts, Aaron is able to kill the two masked murderers, she fits a blunder over Felix's head and blends until he's dead, and then stabs Z in the top of the head. As she sits in the carnage, Felix's phone rings. Aaron answers it silently to find her boyfriend on the other end, asking if everything is finished. She doesn't answer, and he lets himself back into the house to find her there, covered in blood, everyone else dead. He reveals the whole thing was a scheme to get him and Felix their inheritance money, but he'd orchestrated it in a way where Aaron was never supposed to be hurt. He tries to apologize and talk her down, but the disgust has already settled in and there's only one answer left. Aaron stabs him in the eye. Just as she does, she's hit by a bullet in the shoulder. In the window, we see a police officer who's come across the scene and watched her kill Crispin. The police officer works his way to the front door as Aaron yells at him to stop and wait. He doesn't, and the movie ends as he falls victim to one of Aaron's last traps, an axe rigged to the front door. You're next. Me? I'm next. You're next. Literally every time that the words you're next or me thinking about it, I was like, I'm next. You should be. 
Honestly, please. You look like you could be a brother in that family. That is not a compliment. I'm, I'm, I, I didn't mean it as one. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I gotta say, big fan. And you know what? Lots of people hate this movie. Um. So I gotta say this. So when I first started the movie, I didn't think I'd seen it. And I loathed the first 30 minutes. I thought the acting was poor. I thought the cinematography was poor. I couldn't tell where the story was going. Mm-hmm. Everything about it just kind of annoyed me. And then I took a break, stepped away for probably an hour. And when I came back and turned it back on, I was glued. One of those moments where you're like, you don't even look at your phone. You don't think about anything else. Like I was invested after that. Well, it's one of those movies where the dialogue really doesn't matter. They just have it there so they can fill space. Mm-hmm. The first bit is so boring. It's just painful. It's not that it's boring. It's just like it doesn't move the story along because right. it's just people fighting. And it's not that any of these people are poor actors. Like the mother, for instance, is actually like a pretty prolific mm-hmm. horror actress. The father, he's a pretty recognizable actor as well. It's that it's something maybe about the editing to me felt odd. Like it felt as if they left a lot of space between people's words. And a lot of the dialogue I know was improvised. There was a baseline script, but they were just like Mm. having a conversation. And usually I find that lends to a very natural feeling. And I did not feel that way. Well, it's also like, I highly doubt that these are all improv actors also. No. So it's after that like first 30 minutes when we kind of kill off some of those characters and we get into like the bulk of the people who Mm -hmm. are gonna last throughout the film that's when it gets good yeah every single like moment after that with like every death is just so satisfying so satisfying it's like there's never a moment where you're like that was boring Mm -hmm. because even if like they're not main characters i would say they still get like a deserved death i mean they all deserve to die but not what no a deserved You're right. death? You're right. Sorry. I was thinking, I keep thinking that the whole family is in on it. Right. But it's not. No. So they don't deserve to die. They don't. However, I will say, if you have a house like this. Let us know. Well, also, you're an automatic target. Like, maybe don't be living lavish and you won't have these problems. Also, it's like they're in the city. No, they're not. They're in a rural area. Oh. It's supposed to... I don't know where it's supposed to take place, per se, but it was shot in Missouri in a rural Mm. area. Because I was like, they have neighbors. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be sort of like a sleepy lakeside town situation Mm. where, like, the nearest neighbor would be, like, maybe like a mile down the road kind of thing. I see. Yeah. That makes sense. I do think, though, that not necessarily soon that, like, this movie and Ready or Not are going to be, like similar cult classic films Mm -hmm. it's gonna be like a double feature kind of thing because they're pretty much similar one is more just like slasher they're both slashers but one ends more um what's the word i'm looking for well one is way more like high production cinema yeah ready or not which Mm -hmm. is a great movie it is but that one ends more like it's still demonic oh right i always forget that that one has almost like a it has a supernatural. Yes. Thank um, you. Supernatural ending. So we have this character, Aaron, who um, conspicuously just grew up in a survivalist commune. So she's able to kick ass throughout this entire movie. How did you feel about that being her backstory? Her as a character? I think she's my favorite part of the whole movie. Absolutely. Because when I remember watching the movie, so I was trying to remember when I was watching it, there was like a couple movies where... 
friends and I like named our final girl like the unstoppable girl because no matter what came at them, they never stopped moving. Mm-hmm. So like Aaron in this movie, there was Dr. Shaw in Prometheus, which was the alien prequel. Right. She literally like gave birth, like got shot and she just like never stopped moving. And you're like, get it. Um, and then there was one more, but I can't remember what it is. It might be ready or not. Um, but I love that like unstoppable woman character. Mm-hmm. She 100% makes the movie for me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you grew up with survivalist camp. Who cares? Yeah. It makes the movie interesting because if she didn't and she just had all of these, like, skills in her back pocket, I'd be like, okay, this is weird. That was my exact thought, too, was as soon as they started the whole thing of her explaining that she grew up in a survivalist commune, I was like, oh, get off it. Mm -hmm. But then where else does the movie go if she doesn't have that background? Mm -hmm. Because if they just never explained it... Because movies like that do exist where the victims or the people who are being targeted just all of a sudden have like the most ingenious inventions. Mm -hmm. Think like Home Alone style, basically. Like that would never happen unless for whatever reason a person had some sort of background. Mm -hmm. And they do make it lightly believable with this backstory of like after she was born, her dad started to fear that the world was ending, which was honestly a very uh, prevalent fear with Y2K and things Mm -hmm. like that. That's not completely unlikely and that she and ultimately did leave that commune as a teenager and moved to america rather than it was like i grew up like an assassin my whole life yeah i think the problem that a lot of people see with this movie is that they assume she's an assassin just because you grew up on a survivalist commune it just means that you can survive off of what you have yeah being labeled as a survivalist does not mean that you are a trained killer assassin. No. Because the things that she's doing is just, like, she put some nails in a board. Yes, she, like, hoisted the axe up with the thing, but it's, like, that's just, like, general. Like, she literally just used some rope, a heavyweight, oh, a brick. Great. It's not like she's, like, poisoning darts and using, like, a blow dart device, like, from a crop. Like, she carried a meat cleaver for 60% of the movie. Yeah. And most of the deaths... She literally was just like, oh, this person's accessible to me. All of a sudden, I'm going to stab them. It wasn't as if the blender was pretty sick, though. I did love that. Yes. And I also always forget about this wasn't Aaron's doing, but when the one sister is running out and there's the wire there. Yeah, that is. It is jarring. Because it's you don't see it and they don't either, obviously. The way that she just like hits the like wire and like lands down and she's just like bleeding from her neck. I was like. Oh, my God. Like, I just couldn't imagine. I hated her. Me too, but thank God she was gone early. Right? One thing that I I was going to say, very beginning of movie, Felix and Z are me and you at parties. <laughs> so true. Like, standing off in the corner, just like, dead eye looking. People like, oh, <laughs> throwing, <laughs> this is what's happening. Throwing more looks than House of Gucci. Oh, Wow. It gets to the point where they're, like, too much, and they're obviously, like, psychotic killers. When she's like, fuck me next to your mom's dead body. Yeah, I was, I was like, like, girl. I was like, that's not us Please, no, it's not the time. No. Um, but yeah, all I could think of was that one Christmas party we were at. We were standing in the back, like, just staring <laughs> at everybody. Like, and we, like, didn't know each other very no, well. No, and like, we were was... like, hi. Hey. And then we just, like, sat or stood together for the rest of the night. Yeah. And had, like, a miserably great time. Mm-hmm. I love that for us. And I also have a video of you. At a different party 
where you're sitting on a couch listening to somebody talk and you're just dead-eyed. Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> and then you look at your phone and then you look back up at the person and it's just like no expressions change. And I was like giggling like... <laughs> I have never seen two pity, pretty best friends. Pity. <laughs> I ain't never seen two pretty best friends before. Um, somebody recently told me that that I was really intimidating to them. And I was like, I just, I, I, I'm friendly though. I think it's just my face. And she was like, it is your face. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Shh, we've got a winner. Self-awareness. I don't like the term resting bitch face, but I do have just like a borderline serious looking face. And I can speak and exist in a moment with very little emotion without intending to. Fair. That's all it is. I don't think that when I met you, I would say you're intimidating. I just, maybe just more serious. Yeah. That's it. Thank you. There are people who I've met who are hella intimidating. and I run the gamut of um, uh, things like serious, aggressive, and intimidating. Hmm. I think it just depends on who you are to me. You're just your vibe in. And also checked out sometimes. Most of the time. <laughs> yeah. I am checked out. And that's where I think 99% of the face structure comes from. It's mm. just dead. <laughs> it's true. Okay. I want to talk about the dialogue in this movie for a second. Okay. Okay. So past like the first couple of minutes when it was pretty painful, there is some very good and funny dialogue in this movie. Saying, I feel like I wasn't paying attention after the dialogue. Okay, so the part where all of the siblings, they make it safely into the foyer after the first person gets struck by the bolt. <laughs> and bolt. The bolt. And they're all arguing about which sibling is the fastest. Mm. It's pretty funny. And then at the very end, when Crispin is trying to level with Aaron and just being like, listen, I get it. He says something along the lines of like, no one could have known that you were so good at murdering people. Yes. <laughs> that was unexpected. There were some really funny moments like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I appreciated. Do you have more that you wrote down? Uh, of those moments? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, but the one thing that just lent to like the not natural, they needed to just shoehorn this in somewhere. The fucking part where the phones wouldn't work and the brother just yells from an next room Maybe they're using a signal jammer. You can get them on the internet for $30. I was like, shut up. There's no one's brain is working on that mm-hmm. level in that moment. Unless. They're the one who did it. Yes. True. Good point. Who was the one who said it? Do you know? Felix. So that's, that's actually why. a good point. Shit. You're right. But true. Also, it's like, shut up. Yeah. But he did have the signal jammer. So. That's true. Okay. Fair play. I caught you there. Fair play to you, sir. That is one of the things that is part of the tropes that, like, play in this movie and that are just, like, prevalent in a lot of horror movies and especially, like, cheesy, not serious. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the tropes that I was reading is no coverage. Either that be open space, no coverage, or a cell phone having no coverage at a crucial point in your survival. Mm-hmm. This trope specifically is a product of the times because years ago... These kinds of scenes didn't exist along with cell phones used in them. So the common script that like people are like, oh, well, how do we just get rid of the cell phones and like throw that out? I was just saying that there's no service always. I guess they were just like, I guess we'll throw in signal jammer for the time being. Oh, I see what you're saying. So basically mm-hmm. with like the evolution of phones, they just had to find a way to throw them out. Yeah. 
Okay. Because then the whole time you're sitting there like, well, why doesn't... Anyone just call. Yes, Got or it. text. Which I did love in this movie that she texts... 911. Yeah. I, I left that out of the uh, plot synopsis, mm-hmm. but at one point she's talking about how you can text 911 in some areas and it'll mm-hmm. send a message to the voicemail of the emergency responders. And so that is why the cop shows up at the end is because she gets a notification that the message was received. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do like how the movie ends with the cop showing up and shooting her because I jumped at that part. I Me forgot too. that he shows up. Um, I also jumped seconds before that when she stabbed him in the eye after she stabs Crispin in the neck. Mm-hmm. Was not expecting an eye jab. Completely forgot about that. But I wish that it would have been like a little bit wrapped up in the sense of is she getting away with it or is she not? You know? I think she is. I do too. But in the credits it says there's a, like a photo of her and it's just a suspect question mark. Mm-hmm. And then it shows every other character dead or like in their position of death. Yeah. So it's it's interesting because Spoiler for people who haven't seen Ready or Not. It ends with the main girl just sitting on the steps with the police walking around her. Like, she's obviously been through it. Covered in blood, smoking yes. a cigarette. Mm-hmm. And, like, her dress is ripped, everything. But this one is kind of very ambiguous because now she's accidentally killed a police officer. And she's the only person left in this entire house with a whole bunch of murdered people. Yes. So who's going to corroborate her story? I mean, the nice thing is... And by nice, I mean there is people with masks around that are laying there. True. And that she she obviously sent from her personal phone, 911. And because she already knows now, she's got the confession from, from Crispin yes. and Felix, they're going to be able to find some evidence along the way that these yeah. two orchestrated something. And like, there's three people who aren't part of the family that they had to hire out. Right. So I'm sure that they could find some sort of conversations, logs. Yeah. To corroborate. Right. What she says. One thing also, the use of the masks in this movie, I thought were so much scarier when I like was looking at like the posters and the covers. But then when you look at them in the movie, they're just like these like plain white ceramic masks. Yeah. And they have like no dirt, nothing on them. And I was like, this isn't scary at all. Like, cause they're supposed to be like these like people that you're supposed to be like terrified of, like almost strangers-esque. Well, did you read about this at all? I did, a little bit. And how the filmmaker had talked specifically about the strangers. Mm-hmm. He essentially was saying, I don't buy it. Like, the masks and the strangers. He said something along the lines of, like, what are these people? Like, high fashion high fashion students? Why would they have these masks? And yeah. so he wanted to downplay it and just have something that would be more easily accessible that someone might have. Yeah, they're very party city masks. Absolutely, they are. Um. I did see that people are still making replicas of them and that you can buy them on Etsy. I was like, that'd be really fun. But then also while I was going into, like, looking into these masks, so Lionsgate, when they were promoting this movie, decided that they were going to have these masks pop up all over New York and L.A. Mm. And they would just put them on inanimate statues. I'll show you the pictures, but they would be, like, just walking around and they would, like, have one on, like, a horse and it would just be like sitting there or like a like what? weird statue there was that one i mean i like it but are people gonna draw the connection is my question from a marketing perspective probably not it seems very because the thing with these masks is that they're very like there is a fox a lamb and a wolf yeah so when you're looking at animals like that it's like okay it's just an animal mask whereas Comparing it to something like The Strangers, you have something that's, like, recognizable. Mm -hmm. But, like, this one of, like, these three, 
terrifying. That is actually terrifying. It's like a statue of a family holding hands and they're all wearing those masks. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't like that at all. But just, I think, compared to, like, the posters when you look at this, they are so much more, like, gruesome Oof, yeah. and dark that I, when you see them, I was like, oh. Um, They had talked about how the lamb mask was supposed to be sort of, like, a tribute to Aaron's character. This person... <laughs> oh. That this person has this mask of a lamb, which is, like, the most gentle, like, sort of mm-hmm. unassuming figure that we can think of, but they're this killer underneath. Interesting. Yeah. And they'd also said something of Aaron's character that I thought was really interesting because I had this thought at the very end of the movie um, that when they were doing the casting, they needed somebody who was going to feel like they had an inherent toughness because tough people who do tough things don't talk about it. They're like, and that's what she was like to us. And I thought that I believed her as being that woman mm-hmm. and there are a lot of people who could have played that role and par- probably played it off fine but i maybe wouldn't have believed that of them there was this the point where she was walking into the room and she had the limp because she'd got the shard of glass in her leg mm-hmm. because she jumped through a window and she was holding the knife and she just looked haggard yeah i thought i believe that woman is coming in at the absolute rock bottom to just fuck shit up right now and i believe she can do it mm-hmm my favorite scene of hers was she still had the limp, but it was when she picked up the axe. There was multiple, multiple times when I first watched this movie that I thought this was Rashida Jones. Mm, interesting. I don't know why, but I was like, oh, Rashida Jones. And no. I was like, that is not Rashida Jones at all. It's really not. But do you know where I do know her from? Step Up. Step Up 3D. Yeah. What a random film. Do I not look like I would be in Step Up today? <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> yeah. The Step Up movies, iconic. Iconic. Step Up to the Streets, the best one. Do you want to step up into the streets? No, I would die. I'm also so tired. I can't do that. <sighs> I know I said no more tropes, but we're bringing back the trope because Aaron is our final girl in this movie. And earlier I said that I did two quizzes because one was about what stereotype you are mm-hmm. and then one was which horror movie archetype you are. Okay. And I want you to do both of them and walk us through them. Okay, well, can so, I can I share my two final notes before I do? Yes. Two things. One sort of um, continuity issue for me that I cannot figure out is that at the very beginning, I think it's a CD, but it might have been a vinyl, but I'm 95% sure it's a CD. It's a CD, yeah. Thank you. In the very beginning, this girl, she puts on this CD and it's the Dwight Twilley band, Looking for the Magic, which is a great song that is now ruined for me. And they play it all throughout the movie. What happens is she puts it in as we kind of revisit that house once or twice. The song ends and begins again and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. What CD in human history has one song on it that starts and begins again? On a loop. A burnt CD of one song. The thing is, is what I assumed was that they pushed repeat or it was damaged in them fighting. I don't buy it. But it's also such a good way to only have to pay for one song. So true. You know? So true, bestie. Um, The other thing is that I just simply did not believe that that woman who was playing the mother was old enough to be at her 30th wedding anniversary or the mother to those children. No. She was... She looked crisp as a baby. She looked a solid... I would say I would pay her tops 50-50. But the thing is... She could have got married at 20, had all of her children young. That's true. Wow. Good point. 
30 is not that much when you... It seems like a God, lot. yeah. But when you add it to, like, just 20 and she's 50, it's like, okay, well... Yeah, I guess that makes sense. But I'm saying 50 it, at the tippy top. Yes, like, just 50. But Because she also has, what, five kids? Four. Four. And they look like they range between 40? Yes, and, to, like, 29. Yeah. Yeah. So... Barbara? What's up? Actually, her name was Audrey. Barbara was her. Is her real name. Yes, yes. I just needed to get that out there because it was driving me wild in the beginning. You can't really tell when she's like made up to look like that matriarch. Like she's very buttoned mm-hmm. up and her hair is very, she's got a very severe face and they put her hair up. But there's that one part where she comes down in the middle of the night and her hair is down and she's wearing a nightgown. And I was like, who, who is this like teenager? Also, yeah. Why did she put on a nightgown? Rich people. Is that what they do? Wear nightgowns? While someone was stabbed. In their summer homes. I guess so. Whatever. Okay. Give me some quizzes. Okay. I'm going to read them to you. Okay. Quizmaster. Yes. So this one is the stereotypical horror movie character, are you? Okay. So the first one. Yep. You're starting your road trip to camp. Mm -hmm. Which song are you picking to start your playlist? Time of the Season by the Zombies. Cherry Bomb by the Runaways. Golden Years by David Bowie. The Stroke by Billy Squire. Moving in Stereo by the Cars. Sweet Virginia by the Rolling Stones. There's a lot. Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult or Hurdy Gurdy Man by Donovan. This is so hard. It's either Billy Squire, Cherry Bomb, or Blue Oyster Cult. We're going to go Cherry Bomb. That was the one that really hit for me. I also picked Cherry Bomb because I couldn't name a single other song out of really? these. I just don't... The titles didn't stick out You to would me. know them. I recognize bands, but I was like, I don't know. You'd know time of the season. What's your name? Who's your daddy? Huh? <laughs> What essentials are in your travel bag? A nail file, travel guide, and hiking boots? A yoga mat, cherry chapstick, and soy nuts? A pack of chewing gum, expensive moisturizer, and pepper spray? Mm-hmm. A beloved sweatshirt, spray-on deodorant, and quality earbuds? A laptop, Swiss army knife, and thermal leggings? A lighter, essential oils, and a paisley bandana? A stickered covered thermos, hair gel, and an old scrunchie? Or a flask, band-aids, and mosquito spray. I'm the pack of chewing gum, expensive moisturizer, and pepper spray. For okay. sure. I picked Beloved Sweatshirt, Spray-On Deodorant, and Quality Earbuds. That was my second choice. Okay. If you had to pick an 80s slasher, what would it be? Halloween, Summer Party Massacre, Friday the 13th, My Bloody Valentine, Nightmare on Elm Street, Prom Night, Final Exam, or Sleepaway Camp? Sleepaway Camp. I also picked that because I just watched it. Mm, it's very good. Okay, so what's your weapon of choice to fight the bad guy? Shotgun, mm. axe, mm. flare gun, knife, chainsaw, machete, hammer, or metal chains? Shotgun. Machete. Which camp activity do you sign up for first? Yoga, board games, canoeing, archery, scavenger hunt, swimming, arts and crafts, or hiking? Yoga. I picked archery. Really? Yeah. Have you I ever just done feel that? like. Yes. I used to be in an archery club in elementary school. Of course. (laughs) That and chess club and plant club. Stop (laughs) it, Zachary. Okay, so it's close to midnight. And all of the lights are out. You're asked to go fix the breaker box half a mile away from your cabin. What do you do? The lowdown is either you go and do it, or you go with somebody else, or you panic. I would say I'm the first one. I just do it prepared with like a flashlight and a weapon in hand. Okay, I think I picked 
you're paranoid enough that you don't go alone and you ask for a fellow counselor, a fellow counselor to come So with in you. this scenario, I am myself, right? I'm not a yes. child. No. Oh, then yeah, for, for the, the first one for sure. I'm still bringing someone with me. I have spent so much time alone. I'm not that nervous about it. Okay. Why are you being a camp um, counselor for the summer? You spent your summers um, in various camps. Why not be a counselor? Your friends are out of town. You have nothing else to do. Student loans don't pay themselves. You're fresh out of high school and need the money. You need the cash to pay rent. Your liberal arts degree isn't exactly bringing in the job offers. Getting paid to play on paradise, yes, please. Or you owe a friend a favor. Liberal arts ain't gonna pay for itself. Ain't paying the bills. I can't remember what the answer was. Yeah. I don't remember which one I picked. I mean, none of those really hit for me, but that's probably the most likely. Yeah. So it's the night before the campers arrive. What are you doing at the campfire to celebrate? Hanging out and drinking a beer? That's you. Uh, <laughs> I picked it. Roasting marshmallows. You're late to the party because you're unpacking and preparing. Getting to know your fellow counselors. Making a few friends. Familiarizing yourself with the history of the camp. What happened six years ago that very night. You're watching a movie. You're bring, smart enough to bring your projector. However, your choice is Friday the 13th. You get too messed up at the campfire and you fall asleep on the ground. That also might be you. Uh, or telling ghost stories. They can't be cringy, but it will get a good laugh out of everyone. It is one. It is either drinking a beer or blacking out. I'm going to go with, because it's my first night, I would just stick to the one. Drinking a beer? Yeah. I picked you're watching a movie. Because when I went to camp, I we had a VHS player. And so one of the moms would bring us three times in the week Big Brother for us to watch for the kids who were... <laughs> Stop! <laughs> So we would all watch it at 11 p.m. in the, like, rec room. That's so cute. And so we watched Big Brother. But then I put on Jumanji, and it scared too many people with the drumming. I love Jumanji. So we had to stop. So you've heard some strange noise in your early morning jog, but it's not an animal. After a few minutes, you realize that there's someone watching you from behind the tree. What do you do? You call out to them, mostly out of confusion, but you're not sure if it's another hiker. You don't jog alone, so you grab your friend to suggest going back. You investigate. This is super suspicious and you're getting weird vibes. You look to see if anyone else is around. There isn't. So you look back, but the person is gone. So if I move my eyes, the person, like, that's a completely different outcome. Yeah. Uh, you sound your ground and shout, stupidly brave or bravely stupid. Oh, that's me. Um, you're already running, so why not run faster? You keep jogging. It's probably just a hiker. Or you wouldn't be in that situation. After hearing strange noises in the wood, you'd be back at your cabin. No, I'm, I'm the one who would yell. Uh, I think I put... I wouldn't be in this situation. I'd be back at the camp. <laughs> One of the counselors has been missing for a few hours and past curfew. What do you do? You know where they are. They told you they're going for a jog and a shower. You're not worried. You stay at the cabin. They're just having some fun and you get irritated when someone suggests searching. You call the police. You try calling, but oh, you try calling them, but discover their phone is in the cabin. You and other counselors go search for them. You're already in the woods looking for them. You notice bef- they were gone before everyone else. You leave it up to the others. It's not that you don't care, but since everyone's arguing, since everyone's arguing about what to do, why not leave it to a vote? You go out and search for them. They could be seriously injured. It's the right thing to do. Or you're willing to do whatever it takes, and you're worried about them, and if anyone's willing to go search, it's you. All the same answer, just differently worded. Yeah. Um, oh, no. I think that I would probably... I would either be the person who was so just, like, so rational that I would get irritated that everyone else was like, let's go search. Because this is with the idea I'm operating with the assumption that in all these scenarios I've been told this person is going for a jog and showering so at that point I would just be like let them live maybe they need a second but if I didn't do that one I would be the person who was already out just kind of like looking around 
not making a scene, but just wandering the woods. Lastly. Okay. The worst has just happened to you. Oh, God. You've been attacked by a masked stranger wielding a chainsaw. Shit. Unfortunately, you've been separated from the group and are trapped with a badly injured counselor. What do you do? Leave him behind. That's it? They've well, give me clear. the other options. Okay, sorry. Uh, you hide. It's not easy fitting two people in whatever hole you decide to burrow in, but it'll work until someone finds you. You go to the infirmary. It's stocked up with whatever help um, that will help your friend's injury fast. You find weapons. It's every man for themselves out there. You give a counselor a weapon and go your own way. Yes, that one. That one? Yep. You and me, baby. We're final girls. Hell yeah, dude. So it's the street smart skeptic. Mm-hmm. It's not a surprise that you made it. You have all the qualities that create the perfect final girl. Self-involved and armed with a hatchet. <laughs> you never travel alone and really don't trust your fellow counselors to keep you alive through the night. Your skepticism pays off, and after a few bloody hours of terror and several dead bodies later, you finally carve your mark in the killer's face and get away. I love that. Self-involved and holding um, a hatchet. That's. I think that's a pretty great way to cap it. Yeah, feels good. Do you have any closing thoughts about this movie? No, but I do have a quote that I wanted to read earlier, but I kind of forgot about it. Tell me. So it's from our good old, our good old pal Robert Ebert. Now that I know how to say his name. <laughs> So this is a review he wrote about this movie, and it makes me laugh because it has nothing that I feel about this movie in this quote. Okay. Watching your next is like eating a tinfoil wrapped tray of leftovers. It is a hamburger, so you shouldn't expect steak, but the contents of your tray are a half-eaten microwave nuke cheeseburger, leaves of wilting translucent lettuce, slices of yellowing sickly tomato, and floppy soggy french fries. Consuming this product is not entirely unpleasant since it's almost impossible to screw up such a short order, but that doesn't change the sad fact that your next is essentially a flavorless leftover. It looks like what you ordered, but it's only satisfying satisfying if you settle for much less. I don't disagree with that. Oh, interesting. Just for the fact that it's like, it is what it is. It's not revolutionary. It's not bad. It is not of high cinematic value. The acting is not the best thing you've ever seen. It's Mm -hmm. shot on handheld cameras. Not in the way that you're thinking of like Blair Witch, but it's, you know, it's it's a lower production. The budget was a million dollars for this movie. Yeah. um, Yeah. Which isn't super high. Not... Not compared to what, like, a feature film right. really uses now. So I think the analogy of, like, it's fine for what it is if you expect that is an okay approach to this movie. Yeah. I liked it, but it's just... Me too. Yeah, it's not like it did anything that, like, blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I just think that with Aaron as the central character, that's what makes the movie for me. Yeah. If she wasn't in it, it would be such a bad movie. Oh, Yeah. Of course. I mean, it would also be something completely different. Right. We do this all the time. (laughs) If it wasn't for this element, that is the key element. (laughs) For the movie, it would be shit. If this movie just wasn't this movie. Let's write it. Yes. Scary? Um, I don't know that it's ever really scary, but I'll give it like a four. Yeah, I would say about a four too, because it's not... There's a few like jump scares. Oh my gosh. I've been meaning to ask you this question for two podcasts now. What? We were going to wrap it up, but I just want to like quickly jump into this. Do you think that it's visual aspects for you that scare you or is it sound aspects for you that scare you the most? Sound. I think for me it's visual. I think that it's both. I think that there has to be proper execution on both ends for Mm -hmm. it to be impactful. Imagery will stick with me in a way that I find unsettling. 
to actually physically scare me in the moment, it's usually a audio cue that amps up my adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Okay. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. But it's not like the sound of anything sticks with me. Mm-hmm. But it's visual for you. Yes. Okay. I do think that visual things stick with me because like I can picture them more yep. and I don't hear sounds back or anything like that. Right. Unsettling though. Something in my heart is telling me that seven is too high of a score and six I is have too seven. low. So I'm going to go 6.5. I have seven just because it was unsettling because I never want to be in that situation. Yes. And it also though like kept me on the edge of my seat that I was like, oh, what's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. Like I feel weird about it, yeah. even though I have seen it. But it's like initially I was like, it's a different kind of unsettling. Uh-huh. I agree. Story. I put five. I'm going to go five or six. I like the attempt at something that is not... Uh, something that the filmmaker had talked about was that him and the writer didn't want it to be a senseless, quote-unquote, sort of like stranger story because it had mm-hmm. been done before with the stranger specifically. Yes. Um, and so they wanted to find some sort of reasonable tie-in and motive i like the concept of it the execution was perhaps a little lackluster so yeah like five or six for me i wish that they would have kept the reveal a little bit later of z and felix i think that would have made it just a little bit yeah more gripping but it was nice to have like a second reveal of crispin being in on it as well so it does make up for it but it also though i do think that at that point because he's been gone for so long and you find that out, I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. Yeah. When it, at first you're like, oh, I forgot about him. And then you're like, oh, he's yeah. in on this yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. It's very quick. So was it a paper cut or was it a bloody massacre? Hmm. I'd say one axe to the face. One face axe. A cap. I would say it's one good wire to the throat. Hell yeah, it is. You know, it's just a good, like, in and out slice and you're good to go. A one and done slice and dice. That's exactly what this movie is. Yeah. Multiple times to different people, though. (laughs) (laughs) There it is, folks. You know where to find us. Yeah. Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, at Podcastacre. You can send us an email at thebloodypodcastacre at gmail.com. Leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We super appreciate it. Also, I think just subscribe to the podcast. Please do. That would be nice. Would be. Until next time. Did you remember to lock your door?